Hey, welcome to An Unprogrammed Life. I'm Ocean Eagle, and this is episode four of this uh, podcast, YouTube. Whether you're watching this via video or whether you're listening to it while you're driving your car, I just want to say welcome. I want to say with all my heart that I have so much love and compassion for this world, and that's why I'm doing this. I'm not here to sell you anything. Later on, I'll tell you about a book I got coming out. We'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about some other things I got going on. You know, as far as a trip to Peru coming up, and I'm going to journey some people there, um, which is going to be an incredible, incredible uh, journey. Uh, some people, it's once in a lifetime journey, and I and I get that, and I don't, so I don't take it lightly. So, what I want to talk about today is the generational. What, what I've got is a generational programming or hardwiring to unwind. And what do I mean by generational wounding, generational programming? So. I now have an understanding that what my father went through and all the trauma and the, and the wounding and the damage that it was created inside of me by his actions or by my mother's actions or my brother's actions or aunt and uncle's actions or anybody in my life, anybody that was making decisions that was harming other people, whether it be emotionally or physically, is being passed down from generation to generation to generation. And I understand that today. I understand that my dad was a victim of his circumstances, let's call it, a victim of the circumstances of his brothers abused him. And his, his, my grandmother you know, God rest her soul. You know, she was nuts, man. Uh, she's an alcoholic too. She had a gambling problem. You know, she was a, she was a mean, <laughs> very mean at times. And, uh, you know, so my dad got that passed down to him. And then if we go back even farther and really start drilling into this stuff, that could go back three, four, five generations ago. And it's just kept, kept getting passed down and passed down and passed down. And then it came to me. And what I'm doing right now as going back and looking at all of my wounding and all of my stuff that was driving me subconsciously and making the choices in my life for me, I was choosing to let that happen. What I realized is um, that was all part of families, uh, my family's generational wounding and programming. Everything that my dad was taught in West Texas growing up to be tough, you know, be mean and, you know, uh, you don't cry, you know, all that programming they got, to, you know, stuffed into him, got stuffed into me, you know. A man doesn't cry. A man doesn't show his emotions, you know. Um, men talk, you know, degradingly about women. You know, my dad did that in front of me all the time, you know. Uh, women were definitely um, not treated well by my father and the way he looked at them and so I'm, I'm changing all of that because I'm changing me. And it starts with the person in the mirror, the man in the mirror, me. If I want to not pass on years and years and generations and generations of programming to my son and my daughter, uh, my sons and daughters, then I have to change and I have to stop it. So I had to go back. And I remember when I was in, <clears throat> I was in a, I think I've talked about this before, and I was in a group therapy thing about, I don't know, seven years ago, six years ago, maybe. And I was looking at all my traumas and we were doing talk therapy, of course. And I had this trauma egg that I drew and we drew picture windows in it. Each little picture window we drew, I'm not an artist, so I drew stick figures. And it was a stick figure picture we would draw of the wound, of the trauma that we had. So when I got done, what I could remember 
I had about 123 picture windows of images that I drew as stick figures that were my traumas. There were things that, that I felt were very traumatic, created PTSD inside me, created soul loss inside me, created my face, my ego mask. It kept building my ego mask is, is what all that stuff did. And if I look back at it now, that was only the stuff in this incarnation. Not only is that stuff that's been brought forward from my dad's past, but that is stuff that has been brought from my incarnation, reincarnations in past lives. So I brought it forward with me as well. That's why I think we're here on a soul level to heal that stuff. I think that's what our one of our main purposes for being here is to bring forth all of that. And that's why I think on, a, I believe on a soul level that I called my mom and dad in. I asked, I, I asked the creator, I said, these are the ones I want. I want that son of a bitch for a father and I want this woman for a mother. Please make them alcoholics and make sure they have addiction problems and make sure there's going to be a lot of trauma and a lot of wounding and make sure I'm going to see things that no kid should ever see. Make sure that they make decisions later on when I'm a young boy and a teenager that you shouldn't make, you know, uh, when you're raising kids and make sure that's really, really messy and, and bad. So that later in life, I will get the gift of desperation which is going to be the title of my book that's coming out. And I've got about 240 pages done right now. Make sure that it gives me the, the, the gift of a dying man grabbing a life preserver, right? Just, I, I'm, just, I'm, just make, I'm just so desperate, right? That I'll do anything to change. I want those parents. I want that kind of childhood so that I can be on my knees at age 49, 50 years old, right? And all of a sudden have an awakening, right? Um, but it's because uh, actually probably about 46 is when I, 47 is when I got literally, you know, got on my knees, really was willing to do the necessary work to go back through all of that, you know, one by one, all those traumas and, and pull those things out. Cause I believe I called all this in for a reason. I believe that on a soul level that I came here to heal my father, to heal my mother to heal my brother, to heal my grandparents, their their parents, and it goes on and on, you know. So I came here as a as a damaged, wrecked, ruined soul that was ready to wake up and heal. And once I was willing to go do that messy work, not only just look at the traumas, but take the programming within them and understand that they were the driving forces in everything that I was doing in my life. I was, uh, I was getting drunk because I couldn't handle the stress and the pain and the anxiety I had inside me. I was numbing out with women because I was never loved as a child the way I, I, I should have been loved, you know? So I was looking on the outside to, for, to be loved and to be seen and to be touched and to be held and to be validated. I was looking for the women to do that, you know? And, and then I put my validation the kind of car I drove and I put the validation in the house that I had and I put the validation in what job I was able to secure, how much money I had in the bank. Everything was on the external. And as I continue to say, everything I do today is an inward turn. I just had something happen this weekend and I had to look at me. It was my fault. I put an expectation on something um, that didn't happen. I was a little upset and then I realized quickly, right? Not that I'm perfect. It's just that I get better at it and I understand, oh, 
my fault. Person wanted to apologize to me. I said, nope, you didn't do anything wrong. I put an expectation on the result and that's my fault. So I don't care if I ever get an apology or anything from anybody else anymore in life. Nobody owes me anything. I look at my part and I move on. And I give myself the love and compassion that I would give anybody else. Once I possess it inside, I can give it away on the outside. And keep in mind these, uh, these, these, I want you to keep, it's really important to understand that these wounds and these traumas and these abandonments and abuses and neglects, they are not just from this incarnation. They're being brought forward from other stuff from the past. So, man, what a, what a, what a gift um, to understand that I'm healing my family, my lineage, right? I'm, it's not that I believe that all of a sudden they're sitting somewhere in purgatory waiting for me, you know, and then I do this work and then all of a sudden, oh, they get to go to heaven or whatever, you know, it's like, I don't, that's not what I believe. I just understand that I'm now breaking the chain of, of all of that for, for my kids and for their kids. You know, it's amazing to watch it work as I continue to peel back the layers of the onion and continue to unprogram myself. I've talked about it before that my sticky note on my refrigerator says, I know nothing. When this spiritual awakening happened for me 10 months ago at the court this time of this recording, you know, I was so ready to go inside and dwell inside there. I'd been doing it for a long time with Nicole and Kadia my spirit mothers. I'd been working with them for a long time. So when I was woken up and when I was had my moment of oneness, and, and keep in mind, a moment of oneness for me was in shamanic breath work. I was flying. I was in the cosmos. I was taking an inward journey and I was flying around in the cosmos. And then all of a sudden I look down and I see this blue ball and it's earth. And just like that, like a shot, I was on top of earth and I turned into an eagle in my breathwork journey. And I had a moment where a million things came rushing into me at once. I was everything. Everything was me. It just came shooting into me. It's just like on the birds, on the plants, on the trees, on the rocks, on the rivers, on the creeks, on the mountains, on um, I'm, I'm all the animals, I'm, I'm all the people. I'm, I'm everything and they're me. I'm female. I'm, I'm, I'm male. I'm there. Male's female. And we're all one. We're all together. We're all connected. And I got it. I was talking to somebody earlier. And I was like, you know, everything in this house that I live in is going to go back into earth. I, my body is going to go back into earth. Everything returns back into mother, to the mother earth, Pachamama. Everything goes back into earth. And then how does everything get fed? You know, when, when we come to life through earth, we are everything in reincarnated. My body is a tree. My body is a, is a table. My, the, the table is part of me. We're all connected. It's all energy. It's, I get it. You know, for, for me, um, I was talking to this person about death and I don't have a fear of death. I'm, I will die right now today. I've had the most amazing life in the last 10 months and it's because I'm in a complete surrender. When my awakening happened and I had done the work that I had done, um, I was ready to wake up. I was ready. I was ready to come out of the land of the eyes wide shut because I lived in that for 50 years. I, I walked around doing the program thing. If I didn't have enough money in the bank, I had anxiety. If I felt like I wasn't going to be able to pay my bills, I had anxiety. If I felt like I wasn't buying my kids enough things, I had anxiety. I don't like Christmas. <laughs> I think I've said that before. I'm not a Christmas fan. Um, I remember counting. You know, anybody ever done this? I remember counting presents. I got four kids and we'd count presents and one kid had 13. 
<laughs> and the other kid only had 10. So we had to go back and buy, run out and buy some other gifts. Everybody had equal amount of gifts. That's really, really sick. <laughs> that is really programmed right there, right? You know, I'm going to dive into this while I'm talking about Christmas. So one of the biggest programs that we do for our children, right, is this Santa Claus thing, right? It's like, oh my God. It's like, and I was victim. Of, I, was, I was, I did it too. So we started lying. You know, we want our kids to trust us as parents, right? You can believe us. You can trust us. You can always come to us, you know? Oh, by the way, we're going to lie to you for eight or nine years of your life. And then we're going to tell you that everything we've been telling you is not true about Santa Claus. And then what happens? The kids just sob and they cry and they can't believe it. They've been defending Santa Claus with their life in elementary school because all the other kids are starting to tell them that Santa Claus isn't real. They get into fights at school over it, right? And then they come home to mom and dad who's supposed to be the safe place and mom and dad have to crap all over it <laughs> and say, yeah, you know what? Okay, all that stuff. Yeah, it's, it's not real. But the spirit of Christmas is what we were trying to get into. <laughs> and oh, by the way, this is a jolly man that loves to laugh and ho, ho, ho and drink hot chocolate. But if you get on his naughty list, you're going to get a lump of coal. <laughs> and we feed these, these stories to our kids, right? And, and uh, that we're their safe place, right? They're supposed to be able to trust us. And God, but don't get on the naughty list. And then we threaten them, right? Hey, Santa Claus is watching you right? Big brother Santa Claus is watching you. And then we tell him we got, he's got these little elves running around North Pole that are building all the toys, right? You're telling me that your little elf with pointy ears is building a PS4? <laughs> no. Anyway, it's just, it's just amazing to watch that we create this false sense of security with our children and we program into this and then our kids don't trust us because we just lied to them for nine years right? Or 10 years, however long we decide to keep it going, right? We just, and then, and then what else do our kids think? Our kids think that, you know, some, Santa Claus is really good to some people. They get really amazing gifts. Well, Santa Claus is really good to some people because the parents of that kid uh, make a lot of money. <laughs> That's why they get better gifts. And the kid living over in the hood that doesn't get anything for Christmas he thinks he's a bad person because Santa Claus doesn't love him because Santa Claus loves the other kids better. The people with money, Santa Claus loves them more, right? I think we ought to be done with this whole Santa Claus thing. It's, it's, it's a marketing thing. It, it, it makes a lot of money for people that sells a lot of... How many, how many, how many stuffed Santa Claus you know, statues or uh, dolls do we need laying around a house? You know, it's like... It's just, I, I don't even like putting up Christmas lights, honestly. I just, I, I you know, and it's funny because uh, we teach our you know, children, oh, this is the spirit of giving and this is the time to give. And, oh, let's go volunteer our time down at the place where we feed the homeless loaves and fishes we have in Sacramento, right? It's like, guess what? They're homeless all year round. <laughs> they need your help all the time. So just to go, we, we teach our kids that it's okay to go get warm fuzzies by going and taking and giving an hour of putting some food on a plate or wrapping a present, you know, for somebody that needs you all year, you know, uh, your heart should be there that way all year. It should be that way all the time, but we don't teach our kids that, you know, we, we teach our kids that everything's like seasonal. Right. And then we tell them a story about the Easter bunny. Right. And it's like, Oh my God. And the tooth fairy. And it's like, Oh my gosh. And then his parents, if we forgot to put, if we forgot to put the money under the pillow, then we're scrambling around to try to figure out how to hide that. Now it's a $5 bill. It used to be a quarter. How to hide that $5 bill under a different pillow and act like they just didn't see it, right? Because we feel guilty as parents. It's like, 
we are so programmed and conditioned to live out all this stuff that society says we need to do for our children. And we have to match up with everybody else in life. And then we do this and we got, we just start comparing ourselves, you know, to everything and everybody. So when Christmas for me has lost what spirit of what it was, it's not even supposed to be Christmas, supposed to be the celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. It's not even his birthday. They really don't even, I don't know if if they even know what day it really is, but it's not December 25th. And so we, why we have to do it then or why people need to celebrate it then is really none of my business. But for me, I just wish we would do away with the whole thing. Um, We can't even call it Christmas break anymore in in America. We got to call it uh, winter break because it doesn't resonate with everybody, which is fine with me. I, I I could care less. I have my own version. I believe in the Christ consciousness. Um, I believe in the consciousness of Christ was embodied in other enlightened beings as well. I believe there's been many sixth level uh, consciousness beings on the planet, not just Jesus Christ. Uh, I do believe Jesus Christ existed, but I don't believe he's the only way to be saved. That is not my belief system. That's the way the churches uh, teach us and or try to teach you, and that's the way religions try to teach you, and that's the way they try to control you, that you have to take on the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to have a lot of people that maybe maybe I, some people are going to watch this that are religious, and that's none of my business. It's like, this is just my perception. If you do not agree with the things I'm saying, please don't blow me up. Just move on. There's 7.5 billion other perceptions on the planet. Go find one that resonates with you, because I'm just speaking my truth on my podcast and my YouTube, <clears throat> the way I see things. And I'm here for those that want to wake up. I'm, I believe this awakening for me now that I've cleared my path and I know how to quiet my mind and I can get into my heart. I'm an open vessel right now. The creator is coming through me, I believe, and he's using my life experiences and my body, my physical being. He's using me as a vehicle to get the message out. People are going to hear the messages coming through me in different ways. It's going to resonate with people in, in, in uh, women and men differently. And I think if the message were to come through just directly from the creator and just this big ball of light, nobody would be able to handle it. So he's got to use people to bring it uh, through. And it comes through me. I'm a, I'm, I've cleared the space. Not that my wounds and traumas and my programming can't like show themselves, but I've gotten to the point where I can see them now. I can recognize them. I realize what the feelings I'm having are. I recognize where they're coming from, uh, what a wound, a trauma, programming. And then I have a reckoning with it and I take the energy back because what I'm doing to me is the programming is, is we've given away our energy. We've given away our power to the old story, to the, the programmed ego mask that we built as we were growing up as kids and teenagers and early, early adults and later adults, Right. We just keep putting layers and layers on that mask that continue to tell us that we uh, have achieved something, that we are good enough now once we've achieved this. And over and over and over, I've reached some of these plateaus, these things that I thought were so important, and I've never been happy. You know, I've, I've had a couple of large homes, you know, I've made a lot of money, right? And money never made me happy. I I, reg- I realize now that money was never has never been my source of happiness. Money is energy, and I understand that now. And I understand that as money comes in, I'm going to choose to use the money. No, I'm not attached to money anymore. The money is going to be used to get this message out to the world 
in any way I can so that whoever is ready and needs to hear it can receive it. I don't know if five people are going to see this or five million people. It doesn't matter to me. My job is to get the message out. And that's why I'm doing this. I'm, I'm spending my own money doing this. I'm not. Will it be something later on? I don't know. I, I have no idea. And that's none of my business. I, I, I do what the creator tells me to do. I surrender to it. And I let go of the results. I have no attachment to the results. And that's a recipe I use in everything I do in life right now. I used to be so attached to everything. And uh, I've, I've talked about this book before, The Five Levels of Attachment. When I looked in, when I realized how attached I was to results, the less you can expect of me, the less you'll be let down by me. And I can use that in anybody that I'm in their life too. When I lower my expectations and let go of the attachments, the unhealthy attachments that I have to people, places, and things, my life is better. I'm happier because when things don't go, the problem is, is I'm thinking. So my, my, in Alcoholics Anonymous, we would say my stinking thinking leads me to drinking, right? Well, I stay out of the mind these days because that's where the programming is. That's where all the stored memories are. That's where all the, I'm, I'm, un, I'm I've undone and I continue to undo everything from the past that no longer serves me. And that's all the old domestication, the programming, the conditioning that tells me what my life should look like. It tells me what I should be, tells me what my kids should be. My kids have to go to college. Nope, I don't believe that. I don't think they have to go to college. I went to less than a year and a half of college and I didn't graduate. And I've done really well in life because I had certain gifts. I had the gift of gab, right? I could talk and I had the gift of winning people over with my personality, you know, and I used that. I was a class clown in high school and junior high because I was the forsaken child. So I learned how to make people laugh and be silly and be dumb and push the limits on things to make people love and like me, you know. So I, I, I was able to do that, you know, and that's why I got really successful very quickly in real estate. And I also didn't have any, uh, I wasn't afraid to talk to people. But what I was, what I, what I was inside, my ego mask finally you know, let me down. It finally, you know, once failed marriages and everything else, it's like, it wasn't serving me anymore. And it kept putting me in bad situations over and over and over. And that was my fault. I, I allowed to myself to live by my, uh, my, my fake, my false ego mask is just a mask of wounds. It's just a mask of traumas. It's a mask of, uh, of, of everything that society says will keep me safe. And the society says that I'll, I'll have arrived. And once I take that thing off, what was I left with? That was pretty ugly. When I took that mask off and I looked in the mirror, man, I, I didn't like looking in the mirror. I didn't like who I saw. I, I was a ball of shame. I had an 8,000 pound elephant on my shoulders. And all I could look at was the tops of my shoes. Uh, that's all I could look at. I, I, I knew if you really saw who I was. Um, I remember I, got to, I, was look, I was watching, I was getting into looking at porn. And uh, man, that's another... That's another thing. I don't watch porn at all. And, um, and, and God bless you if you're watching it because uh, it's an addiction for people. And it's, sometimes it's uh, probably as, you know, worse than you know, coke, crack cocaine. When we start watching this stuff and we put images in our brains and we get addicted to the feeling and the you know, endorphins and the dopamine that gets you know, pushed up. And, uh, but when you have that stuff and you know you're doing that stuff and like you're in a marriage doing it, then you got secrets. And we're only as sick as our secrets, right? We're sick. So I got stuff in the closet in the corners that are hiding that are going to come get me. 
Because if I'm found out that I'm doing this, then I'm going to get in trouble. So I'm walking around in fear of getting found out, right? I'm not walking authentic to my truth, right? I'm not walking out because if you think about the stuff that goes on with even like, let's say porn, it's, it's objectification, it's using people, it's not what it's meant to be, right? And it creates shame inside of us, you know? And I remember every time I'd watch or something, I'd just feel terrible afterwards, right? I just wreck you, you know? And it's like, and a lot of people, it's normal. They think it's fine. It's like, no judgments, go do your thing, man. But, uh, but for me, it's like, you know, that's been gone, you know, for a long time. And so in Alcoholics Anonymous and what I'm told and what I believe is that on anything in life that, that can harm me or that can uh, be uh, my master, I get a daily reprieve based on the maintenance of my spiritual condition. As I maintain myself spiritually on a daily basis, I get a reprieve. I get a reprieve from self. I get a reprieve from self-centeredness, self selfishness, because all I used to think about was me. And that doesn't, in my, so my, my false ego, the only thing I could ever think about was me. I was probably the most selfish, self-centered son of a bitch, as my sponsor called me. And when I first started working the steps, uh, Marty, you're the most selfish, self-centered son of a bitch I've ever met. And he sponsored like 100 guys at that time, Jack did. <laughs> so I was like crushed. But when Jack made that statement to me, it got me to right size. It, it, it humbled me because I really thought I was a good guy. I thought people really liked me. People really thought I was a dick. And that's the truth. And I was just, you know, so stuck in the false masculine. I was so stuck in, you know, machismo. I was so stuck in, you know, just all the false things that we believe to boost our our self-esteem and our ego because we have none. I had none. I, I had no self-esteem. I, I you know, looking at me, you know, uh, you, you wouldn't be able to tell because I walked around and I would tell you about how successful I was. And because I couldn't just tell anybody um, that I was, I owned a real estate company. I had to tell them how many agents I had. I had to tell them that I also owned a loan company. I had to go into this whole dissertation. Oh, I'm a real, I couldn't just say I'm a real, I have, I have a real estate broker's license. I couldn't just say that, right? I own a, a small real estate company. I couldn't say that. I had to go into these dissertations, you know, because I had to boost myself up because they needed it because I wasn't enough just being me. I wasn't enough just showing up and saying that and, and leaving it alone, you know. I always had to go in because of all the generational wounding, because of all the traumas. I had no self-esteem. I had nothing to draw from. I was bankrupt, emotionally, mentally bankrupt inside. So I had to keep feeding that story. And, uh, you know, I, I, looking back now, I can hear myself. And, man, I would not want to be my friend either back then, I don't think. And I had a lot of people that, you know, don't get me wrong. This heart that I have has always been there. So there was, uh, there was this part of me that people always saw. You know, they could always feel, right? But then there's that part of me that I wasn't worthy of good people in my life. And then I was always keeping people in my life that didn't belong there uh, because you know, if these people go away, that means I'm a failure. When people go away, I'm abandoned, you know, all that crap, all that, all that energy that I gave to the old story. And none of it's, none of it's, none of it's real. It's all everything that we, everything I thought up until I had my awakening was false. 
it was just there to keep me alive. It was just there to keep air moving in and out of my lungs. It was just there to keep me moving forward till finally my head hit that wall hard enough the last time where I got the gift of desperation, the gift of willingness, the gift of honesty. The word honest is in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous 171 times. You have to be honest. If you, It says in there, if you don't have the ability to be honest, then your chances are nil, nothing. If we cannot look in the mirror and be honest with ourselves first and then go be honest with somebody else, somebody needs to know our story. You can't just keep it all stuffed inside because you, then you've always got secrets and it's always going to come back and get you. It's always going to hold you back. One of the parts that I, that I really believe in when I can get somebody to open up with me and really be vulnerable and really talk about the messy stuff. When when somebody else knows everything and you haven't held anything back, you're not alone anymore. You're not alone anymore. You're free. You're freer. You're not free yet. But when you've opened that Pandora's box up and you've let everybody see everything, I've had guys in AA do a fourth and fifth step with me and tell me in the fifth step, that they they were not gay, but they would you know give other guys you know blowjobs for cocaine. You know I've heard stuff about you know men being sexually abused by older aunts and uncles both. So when you get that out, you're not alone anymore. You don't have that shame anymore, right? Well, it's there, but you got to work on it. We just revealed it. You know we did the first part. We've revealed it when you tell somebody. Now the job is to heal it. Now the job is to, and I don't even like going into the hole. You got to go back and forgive everybody in your past. That's hard for me to to wrap my head around sometimes. What I do feel like you need to get to, you got to do enough work to where you can cut that cord of energy that you're choosing to give that old story and and take it back. Because every time that story comes back and bites you in the ass, you're allowing that trauma to hit you again. That person that did it, is winning over and over and over. And you know what? It's time every once it's time to step up for yourself and say fuck you to everybody that ever did anything that hurt you. It's time for you to to tell them off once and for all. You don't get my energy anymore. Mine. I'm taking it back now. I'm powerful now. I'm my I have all the power that I was born with back inside me again. And you do that with everything that happened. You pull that energy back in, and once you have it all back in, you'll know it. You'll know it. You'll you'll walk around as a free person. You'll walk around walking your truth now because you're gonna. I believe once you do that, and you finally take all the energy back. You're gonna be shown who you're supposed, who you're meant to be. Now the trick is for me is when you're shown who you're meant to be, you got to be able to be in a position where you can just surrender, and you got to say, okay, I don't care what it looks like financially. I don't care. I'm doing this because that's what I did. I'm doing this the rest of my life. I'm going to help the world evolve. I'm going to help people evolve. However, the creator wants me to do that. I don't care if I get paid to do it or not. Any amount of money that I get, it's just energy. It's just energy to help do this more around the world and help people evolve and get the message out. I'm very passionate about this. As you can tell, I, I want everybody to find this. You know, Not everybody's going to have the same awakening. It's all different. Sometimes it's an educational uh, variety of awakening. It happens over time. Mine, once I did the work with Nicole and Kadia over three and a half or plus years, mine was pronounced. Mine was like, okay, you've got a calling. You know, <laughs> I'm going to bring something through you. So, you know, buckle up, uh, buttercup. You're getting ready to go to work <laughs> and I'm ready and I'm here. So anyway, 
Okay, I got to sign this one off. Uh, this is podcast and uh, YouTube channel for an unprogrammed life with Ocean Eagle, uh, episode four, and it's in the books. We'll see you guys, uh, whoever decides to come back. We'll see you next time, all right? All the heart, with all the love in my heart and everything in my being, I love you and I say namaste. Aho.